YouTube is banning all sorts of content. Are they doing it for the good of society, or is there more to the story? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And a lot of what I look at is why the stories of the day affect each and every one of us, even if it doesn't seem like it. And I always take the angle of our rights, our protections from an overarching government. And uh, the First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. It's a, a, a freedom of speech issue. It's because that is our objection to the government, transparency, that kind of thing is essential to keeping them honest. Actually, if you look at the Bill of Rights, a lot of the stuff works like that. And when I look at uh, so. People say, well, it's not an absolute right. You can't cry fire in a crowded theater. And I say, actually, there are remedies for that stuff. If you create actual damage, like crying fire in a crowded theater and there isn't one and people get hurt or the theater owner um, gets damages or loses business, those people can sue you, and you are responsible for it. So there are checks and balances to that for actual damage done. And that is the kind of remedy. Uh, also, if you were to go out and say something uh, untrue and damaging to another person, that's defamation, liable, slander, those things. You And they can take action against you. They can stop you. And those are the remedies that are there to counter-control you. So you're there. Those These rights and protections in the Bill of Rights are there to control the government. Uh, and and if you abuse those rights or encroach on other people's rights to pursue happiness or to have liberty or property, they have remedies against you. So creating entire platforms or uh, structures for regulation seem to me like that that isn't what they're after. They're not after preventing real harm. There's probably something more to it. And I, so I was looking into, uh, I, and another thing that like gives the lie to the fact that the, that the censorship that big tech is talking about, particularly YouTube came out this week with uh, new hate speech policies. And, uh, when I look at that and I see how my kids access YouTube and how hard I have tried to get them to uh, to be able to put filters on YouTube specifically, which is the Google product, and I've absolutely failed to do so, I, I mean, some really dark themes that are embedded in Disney videos or in channels that, like, you can be watching a Disney um, a totally fine, like top 10 Disney princesses or whatever. And then I was actually witnessing this the other day. So I guess my son had cycled through all these Disney things. And then uh, a new channel kind of got into the autoplay that said uh, inappropriate moments in Disney films if you freeze the frame. And it showed like 10 totally 
I mean, you could probably freeze anything and read something into it, and then they would freeze the frame, and they would tell you what this inappropriate theme could be overlaid onto that. And the fact that this is autoplaying on what is clearly my child's site. Now, I, you can do like an under eight kids YouTube, but teens and, you know, they won't look at that. And that's when the really inappropriate stuff pops up. So I don't think they're really trying. They're, they're really trying to do this for the good of society. They're doing it for other reasons. And the things that they are, uh, they're, prohibiting it says the kind of content that will be prohibited under youtube's new hate speech policies include videos that claim jews secretly control the world that say women are intellectually inferior to men and therefore should be denied certain rights or that suggest that the white race is superior to another race uh youtube spokesman said so uh channels that post some hateful content but that do not violate youtube's rules with the majority of their videos may receive strikes under YouTube's three-strike enforcement system, but would not be immediately banned. Okay, I have received a strike under their enforcement system uh, for bullying, for bullying Sheriff Israel after the Parkland show. Uh, and I believe it was a show that I did on WSB. And I, it did not, I read their policies, and what I said did not violate it. It's the the existing policies say that you have to you have to mean it to hurt somebody to your your purpose is uh to disparage or harm an individual not just go on a political rant but then they talk about what the next step is the next step is uh youtube announced in january that it would recommend fewer objectionable videos such as those with conspiracies about the september 11th 2001 terrorist attacks and vaccine misinformation, a category it called borderline content. And they talk about other kinds of uh, conspiracy theories also, including, um, well, I can't, I don't, I don't have that handy, but my, with some of this stuff to talk about nine 11 or to talk about JFK or uh, to talk about, Sandy Hook, these episodes never had a trial. They never had a public airing. So it is not, it's not crazy to question it. This is why I, I, I believe that I'm, uh, that, you know, maybe I haven't thought of all the, um, if there's a downside to it, but I don't believe in plea bargains and I, I believe there should be, trials even if if the perpetrator or the accused died in the act that we should have public live streaming trials even posthumously so we can vet the real full total truth behind uh uh the events that are shaping our world the events that they are using to justify taking away our fundamental rights they are talking about this new world, this new, this uh, these new threats that require a new legal architecture. And if you are suggesting that, then what we really need is proof that what you're saying happened happened in the way you're saying it happened, and because it happened, uh, and for the reasons that you're saying, the connections need to be clear to us. And so we question them because we don't. We can't be sure we have all the facts. They haven't been 
revealed in the public forum in a way that we can uh, test them for evidentiary value. And particularly, this is what's really crazy, is that I I stumbled upon, I had seen this stuff before, I'd mentioned it before, about Google being a, a creation of military intelligence. Google owns YouTube, so so when you look at these monopolistic companies that uh, are are censoring free speech, they're considered to be non – they're not public companies. They're private companies. They should be able to do what they want is the libertarian's argument, which I do think is exploited. Uh, or now you have – I mean, there were five articles front and center on WallStreetJournal.com today, and one that came across my screen from Peggy Noonan at the Wall Street Journal. So six articles today – Separate article saying we should regulate big tech. Noonan says break them up, regulate them, all that. Uh, I'm going to get to that. But they are saying that these they, – they repeatedly in these articles it says these entrepreneurs went from startup to monopolist before we knew what hit us. Well, this is why we need public disclosure of the true and complete facts because that's not the truth. So the remedy they recommend – to address the the problems that we have uh, are probably also not genuine. The problem isn't that uh, these guys just got out of control for profit motives or that the government can be trusted to rein it in. The true reality is, and I'll read you the headline of this article and some of the excerpts from it, this article uh, that was published in December 2017 It's about a year and a half ago. It says Google's true origin partly lies in CIA and NSA research grants for mass surveillance. Now, that headline understates what is revealed in this article. And if you want to know what the article, uh, if it has any credibility, it was written by a guy named Jeff Nesbitt, who is the former director of legislation, legislative and public affairs at the NSF, the National Science Foundation, which was the arm of uh, or, or the delegated body of these intel operations, these intel uh, CIA, the intelligence community, I see, in a project that they – established Google as a part of, which was called the Massive Digital Data Systems Project. And and it was established by large military and intelligence contractors in the 90s, in the early to mid-90s. And its goal, its purpose, they said intelligence needed to uh, track every single person, all their online activity, and identify their herds, the birds of a feather, They were supposed to identify all that stuff, but they didn't want to pay for it themselves, and they couldn't get the funding for it. So what they did was they wanted to, through research grants to universities, professors, and universities is where there was a massive amount of data to play with, just like Facebook, which I also have evidence here that it's – or circumstantial evidence that it's a similar situation – What they wanted to do was create these really valuable pieces of intellectual property that were meant to search, rank searching, um, categorize people, stuff that was very high-level stuff, to create very valuable intellectual property 
that would attract Silicon Valley money and expand this uh, to a massive scale. It's like crowdsourcing and crowdfunding data gathering and data analysis, not only to track people, but uh, uh, on the Facebook level and also some of the things we talked about last week, which I'll revisit, uh, other arms of Google, Jigsaw, Amazon with their emotion reader and stuff. These are some of this data is meant to reveal patterns that will help them educate uh, AI, artificial intelligence, to seem more real, to seem more human. This stuff is all coming together, and every single article that I read in the Wall Street Journal about how big tech is this greedy monopolist, uh, the series of greedy monopolists that legislators need to crack down on before it's too late, is absolutely smoke and mirrors. There's so much more to this story, and I'm going to lay it out little by little. If you are afraid of big tech, if you if you think they've gone too far, give me a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We are talking about big tech and uh, the calls to regulate it, the their, uh, they claim there are calls that they should censor more aggressively. What do you think? Should they censor more aggressively? They claim they're trying to answer our our prayers. And uh, um, I'm I'd like to know your opinion. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to go to Eric in Atlanta. Eric, hi, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you feeling? Great. How are you doing? Very good. Okay, turn your radio Um, off. Sorry? Okay, go for it. Okay, so um, I don't really think that it's the uh, big tech companies that have gone too far. I think we've gone too far um, because we, we are the primary product that Facebook and Google produces. We the data. Well, yeah, because you know, because you know, we we are their entertainment. We become our you know our own entertainment, and we let our guard down because everything's free. And then, and then you know, we say, well, you know, this could never happen to me. And then when it happens to you, we say, well, okay, so this happened to me. You know, how how dare they? When they didn't dare, we dared. What? Go, give me a little bit more. 30 seconds. Go. We, we dared to let our guards down on, on Facebook and on Google. Um, and I don't really think that the big tech companies are the ones who are doing anything. I think we're doing it for them. That, that's such a, a fantastic point, Eric. I had not, in all my thinking, hadn't put that together, but I've had that thought in other ways about the the high cabal. I want to carry on your point, Eric, after the break, tell you what I what really important insight I think you brought to us. 404-872-0750-800, WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 
I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. And uh, and a a big threat to our liberty, I think, is the way big tech has become the forum for discussion and and economic activity. I mean, you really it's I, I can't help. I'm not super religious. I don't like live by revelations, but I remember thinking my father said the social security number. my father was into that. And he said, the social security number is like the mark of the beast. You need the mark of the beast to interact in the marketplace. And, and truly like big tech, I feel like you need a smartphone, which is why they, you know, they have to give people Obama phones or whatever. People have to be able to engage that way. But when you have a gateway like that, in order to just make ends meet, to feed your family, you are part of the system, plugged into the matrix or in the marketplace of the beast, whatever. But you are there and you and you're vulnerable to it. And that's and so you become a part of this realm where free speech isn't just uh, being able to petition publicly in the at, at Congress in physical person. They actually have limits on that that you may or may not know about. You can't get too close. But now uh, it seems like the forum, the public square, is, are these big tech platforms. And libertarians, I've always noticed or recently noticed, have been exploited. And I just read in Peggy Noonan's article, by the way, Peggy Noonan was at Bilderberg last year. So that is interesting. Uh, I just read in her article that was in the Wall Street Journal today that they uh, that they used that Facebook deliberately used create I, I don't know if I believe her story, but her story is that Mark Zuckerberg invited a bunch of conservatives and libertarians to have an off the record meeting. And that it was later revealed that they intended they they intended to get the libertarians and the conservatives to fight as the conservatives wanted to regulate uh, Facebook to get rid of the to force an end to liberal bias while the libertarians defended uh, freedom of speech or the freedom of this private company. And I understand that debate and I can engage in that debate. However, I don't think that debate is relevant because what what these companies are are actually written by the guy who established Google as such um, or one of the co-conspirators in the National Science Foundation, uh, Jeff Nesbitt, said that it is a private-public partnership of mass surveillance, and it has been since they funded it on purpose in the 90s to create valuable intellectual property and give it to the people who were working towards their goal. So once you do that, you prevent other people from not only accessing that platform, but from independently inventing it. That's what a lot of those patents do. You can have independent invention, and then you cannot, if you're not first to the patent, you can't use it. So so there's that. It's funny because... Uh, uh, Peggy Noonan said in this article 
that they invited her, but they said, as a conservative activist, you are welcome to come, but it's going to be off the record. And she said, I'm a journalist and I would come in that capacity. And which case it has to be on the record. So no, thank you. You twerp, I think is like the word she uses. So ridiculous. But she accepted those restrictions when she went to Bilderberg last year. Because as my trusty producer Binkley, who's right here, has pointed out to us, they operate under the Chatham House rules. The Chatham House rules, the CFR's sister in England, the Chatham House has these rules where you can talk about what you learn from these meetings, but you can't attribute them to anyone. Uh, you can't record it. You can't report on it as such. So she was willing to do that for her Bilderberg buddies. And we're supposed to think that she's fighting the good fight in the pages of the journal for our consumption. But what I read her articles for is to see exactly what that uh, cabal is after. And uh, her conclusion is uh, break them up, break them in two, in three, regulate them, declare them to be what they've so successfully become, once a pleasure, now a utility. So the idea to bust these big monopolies is that you should regulate them like utilities. And if you look at utilities, you will see they're extremely difficult to uh, to find competition for. When you do it like that, you block all startups because who can surmount what is actually called in economics regulatory barriers to entry? So to me, this is closing the door uh, after the the barn door after the horses have escaped, and it also pretends that these companies weren't created for the purpose. In the case of Google, to ident identify and corral uh, different herds of people, different digital herds. They call them birds of a feather, and to track their movements, and I would say also to guide them. But in a lot of these other cases, including what Jigsaw. Uh, Jared Cohen, who always goes to Bilderberg, it, uh, works for this Google company called Jigsaw, where they're focusing on curating comments for tone, for sarcasm. This is another thing, Binkley, you would like. Binkley, have you, did you notice this about uh, what Jigsaw, it, it took me a while to really absorb what Jigsaw specifically is doing. Have you noticed this, what they're doing? Isn't it AI that's scanning for bad, quote, bad or hateful content? Yes, but specifically what it looks to me like they're really focusing on is uh, looking at the tone of a comment. So they said they're not actually worried about the content. They're worried about the tone. And when I went back and looked at uh, the CIA company called LifeLog, which closed down the day Facebook opened up and they basically had the exact same idea as Facebook, get people to put their data in. And they were saying not that it was for surveillance purposes, which clearly it is, but to to recognize patterns of behavior, of talking, of interacting, of friendships that will help them make AI and robots seem more human. So yeah. then, right? So then when I see what Jigsaw is doing, where they're entirely focusing on the tone of a comment, I believe that they're using this, you know, hate speech or terrorism or whatever, those are their two, like, excuses to access all of this massive amount of data to recognize patterns and how people talk. Absolutely. Right? Don't you think? I mean, you do the deep, you've looked at the deep fake stuff. That's what they want to do. They want to be able to anticipate people's behavioral patterns and gathering, understanding the way they speak and 
you know, their patterns online as a way to do that. So they're trying to train the AI to be as sophisticated as possible. Well, Byron sent us a, another um, link, you know, the latest in the deep fake that they said, oh, they're so glad that I get, I'm sure it's the government. I mean, these things are just so intensely expensive capital wise that if it was a private entity doing it, I can't imagine it would be worth the labor that it's supposedly replacing and it wouldn't be spread across every user. It would be held closely by the person who invented it. This idea that they're using deep fakes to edit movies to just like bridge gaps, to change what people are saying or to correct faux pas that they can make it seamless. Yeah. Did you see the latest on that? I've heard something about that. I didn't see something recently about that. Yeah. So there, so I look at this deep, so all this stuff as you brought out to us, all of this stuff is coming up. Like kind of all at once. You've got deep fake. You have this acceleration, in my opinion, of the data mining, data analysis, the nuances of hate and all that that I think are going to plug into this AI thing, which uh, which will plug in with augmented reality, virtual reality, and all of the uh, Internet of Things that 5G will run. So I just yeah. feel like we're we, things are coming to a head real soon. Maybe it'll take a couple of years, but that they're re- almost ready to launch. Absolutely. There has been more and more augmented reality apps that pop up in your su- suggested app. And I, I've, I've tried a few of them, and, and they're – I mean it's unbelievable how oh, really? real it seems. Well, that's and, what Pokemon Go, I never used it, but that was like, I feel like that was a trial run. Imagine Pokemon Go, but you're seeing the augmented reality through your contact lenses, which is what wow. DARPA is currently working on. And Pokemon is a dog or an alien. It's like, like or, yeah, it looks real and it could be something that looks real that cannot possibly be real, which could induce psychosis. This is yeah. something. Yeah. Tell me what you have to say and then I want to ask. It's called Uncanny Valley. When there is a a robot or some sort of computer that almost kind of seems human, but there's something just off about it. Interesting. Well, this is what – so something I have absolutely noticed, which is why when they're telling me they're trying to uh, track – trying to figure out how to suppress hate speech, how to suppress – how to identify tones, how to prevent terrorism, all this kind of stuff, that – it's ridiculous to me that they nobody addresses what I would say most of us care way, 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 way more about. The most important thing, listen, as I'm speaking, think in your mind, what is uh, – actually, my son asked me, he said, at school they asked us, what is the one thing, if you could change, that you think would make society better? If there's one thing you could eliminate – that would make society better. And he heard this at school. And I was 100% positive that they were trying to get him to say guns. Right. But I would actually like to have a gun. Like that would be, that would solve that problem. But, um, but the, the thing I said was inappropriate YouTube content for by age. Like I want a button and, and it's very hard to get that done. Maybe you've done it. You've, you know, maybe not you, but people listening, have found a way to do that. But I have a son who has Down syndrome and he will, he can't, the YouTube like for eight year old is not appropriate for him. It doesn't engage him. And he just loves YouTube because it's kind of feels interactive. It's in little bits and I will set him up with Disney. I will set him up with, um, with 
the who's the cat? Not the regular show. There's one with the cat. Gumball. I'll set him up with this stuff, and it will quickly morph into um, blind reaction too, and then it'll go from Gumball to Family Guy. And every time I walk by, it's some inappropriate scene, and so I try to cut it out for him. Like, he can't use YouTube. He can only use Netflix. And it has to be on the kid's setting. And when I did try to do that, he he got bored and literally wandered off. Like, I couldn't, you know, find, normally I watch him like a hawk. But if I'm going to do dishes, I put him in front of YouTube, which I'm sure people, like, people can relate to this for little kids. And maybe it works for them. But I just don't believe that they can't censor that. And then on the other hand, when I, for you to control, you know, uh, my other kids get so addicted to the phone that I, uh, social media in particular, that it alarms me. So I was ready to just throw the phones out the window and then screen time came up. So Apple finally came up with something that you can control that stuff. But when I, kids, my kids first got phones, I went bananas trying to figure out how to control it. And I just couldn't and terrible things happened. I mean, stuff got through it. You could, I could not control it completely. Yeah, and kids, they all go to school and oftentimes are more technologically astute than their parents, and yeah. they will trade around these hacks. You want to spark some creativity, take away a kid's phone, and they'll find a way. Well, plus they'll find phones in people's drawers that they're not using anymore, and that'll hook up to Wi-Fi. So even if you've turned their thing off, yeah. and I, 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 I mean there are even kids, young kids, who – you, they can get like a psychotic break, I think, from watching like extremely inappropriate content. Like if you look at something really nasty stuff that like I would never have never experienced, mm-hmm. it can really mess with a kid. And I, I want I want people to tell me like, is that is this just me or do other people have this experience where it's like alarming that your kids are addicted to it or are seeing inappropriate things? Let me get out the number four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at, at Monica Perez Show. Binkley's chomping at the bit. I'm going to get to him after the break and to your calls. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Uh, Binkley has a thought experiment for us, so I'm going to wait till the top of the hour. And uh, Joe has had... A serious issue with the video games, which I also want to wait till the top of the hour so we have some time. But Cody, Cody, I need to talk to right away. Cody, you're on with Monica. All right. Well, howdy, howdy. I was listening to you talk about YouTube and something just occurred to me that might work for your son. You ever heard of uh, kids YouTube? I have. I'm telling you, but it's my son is he's he's like a 12 year old, I would say, and his taste of YouTube and the kids is like up till eight years old. So I tried to set him up with that and it just doesn't hold his interest. And then he I mean, I can just ban YouTube altogether. And that's what I want to do. And as a matter of fact, I wonder sometimes if they start saying, "Okay, we can finally get you to censor it because they know that we're at the end of our ropes and we're going to take it into our own hands and eliminate it completely. But, yeah, that just that wasn't good enough for me. And there's a safety thing on the bottom that will eliminate porn. But like he has uh, Squidward is suicidal. That's like was the worst one ever. I've told people about that before that it won't get rid of. Hmm. I hadn't even heard about that one. Yeah, I've seen so, some crazy, crazy stuff on there, but that was a new one for me. Yeah, no, it's not cool. And and this is this is the thing that bothers me is that 
what um and my son is kind of a funny litmus test because he can tell you in a simple way like he doesn't hide anything so those dark themes like pop right out of his mouth so i'm like what the heck have you been watching and then i see that it's subtly inserted and that goes to a concept that i introduced on the last show mimetics mimicry um let's let's talk about that next joe hang on finkley hang on uh 800-WSB-TALK or you can tweet at me at monica perez show this is your last chance after this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, and I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. And we are knee-deep in talking about big tech and its effect on us. Uh, It's a forum for free speech, uh, or I should say it is our forum for political speech these days. And what does that mean? If it's a private company, can it censor? Uh, I'm a libertarian. I'm supposed to say yes, you know, uh, uh, private freedoms do or die. But the reality is these are not private companies. They were created by the governments. They were given the patents. They were The patents were developed by government research grants, and they were given deliberately to private individuals to attract private money to expand the surveillance state faster and bigger and better than, than the government ever could have done on its own. And that's what it is. That is what the massive surveillance state is. It's a public-private partnership. In the words of the guy who was at the National Science Foundation uh, at some point, but that was the organization that funded Sergey Brin and Larry Page in creating Google as a mass surveillance uh, entity. And the article he wrote was what I call Limited Hangout. It was, or everybody would call it that. Because that cat must be completely out of the bag. So he just had to reiterate how it was for terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. But this was in the early 90s. And if you read articles like that, they talk about the USA Patriot Act coming out as a result of 9-11. It was it was out. Joe Biden claims to have written it. They tried to pass it after Oklahoma City. So they tell you that these things are reactions, but they're not. That's why so many people believe in false flags. There's a policy desired. It doesn't pass. Then an event happens that gets the policy to pass. Who and you and that those events often do not involve trials. So you question that, and questioning that in itself is a major theme of this YouTube suppression. But that is not the only problem with this stuff. The problem is it makes zombies out of people. It, I believe, and I've seen evidence that it causes serious psychological problems. In uh, girls, in teen girls, social media and stuff, uh, uh, physical, you know, ADD or hyperactivity, Tourette's syndrome, seizures in uh, boys with too much gaming. I want, uh, you know, I want to, I want, I think this is a very widespread problem. What do you think? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to go to the phones in a second, but Binkley um, my producer here was saying you you had a good uh, uh, you have conducted a thought experiment. You're recommending a thought experiment. I mean, I've done it too. But yeah, what do you do? Yeah, you just go to a 
city block that has a lot of people on it walking around and put your phone in your pocket for about five minutes and just watch people. And you'll probably not see anyone's eyes because their face will be plastered to their iPhone or their iPad the whole time. And when you look at it, it really looks like I've done that. I've done it recently. I started putting my phone down because, like, it was just I was overwhelmed by it. And I would, like, get into these back and forths with my kids. And it just didn't – it's just it misunderstands your eyes. It's too – it's disruptive. You can never be where you are, who you are. And when I started doing that recently, I didn't even realize how much of a victim of it I was. As I started doing that recently, just putting it down, I wasn't even intending to look at other people, but I put it down and like I was sitting in the doctor's office the other day and I just, you know, looked up and I was just like, you know what? And everybody's face was in their phones. Like you couldn't have a conversation. You couldn't, I mean, there was nothing going on in the world around you because everybody has their face in their phones. And, and when driverless technology, which is also a government funded uh, tech, when that comes down, you won't even have that time. I feel like driving. I tell my kids, put the phones down in the car and just look out the window because it's the one time you're actually going to see the world go by. And there, and it's just, it, it reminds me of the SpongeBob movie where Plankton takes over the world by putting chum buckets on everybody's heads with antennas sticking out of them. <laughs> the next time you see, you should check out that movie. And then the next time you see the, uh, the Apple iWatch ad, where people are like in third world countries, they're at the barrio, they're doing backflips in African countries and native garb. And uh, I mean, it just looks like what a diverse and wonderful world we have. And they all have eye watches on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just feel like if somebody turned on a giant magnet, we'd all just like get sucked into the vortex. <laughs> and I, you know, it's we're all the same now. Like what's coming out of that thing is not beautiful uh, dashikis or whatever. It's the, all the same. It's the monoculture, the global monoculture of consumption at its best. See, they're trying to make us think that it's consumption, but it's not just consumption. It is a kind of uh, it's a kind of mind control. That we, as Eric said in the beginning of the show, have signed up for ourselves. That I don't want to go too long without hearing from Joe. Joe, thanks for waiting. You are on with Monica. Hi, Joe. Hi. Um, I'm not sure if this goes along with your subject, but I remember, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the Mario Brothers games. I, I never played it, but I'm familiar, yeah. Okay. When my children would play those games, they would turn into monsters. Um, I, I, I couldn't get them off, get them away from it, uh, to come to supper or to go to bed. And I finally just took the DVR and put it up. Yes. I, I took them away. Good job. And then, um, then one of them, uh, son, my grandson came up and he had some games that he brought with him to stay with me over the weekend. And, uh, I, I went up to watch them with him, and it was—I I, just—it it made me sick to my stomach. It was just so violent. First-person shooter said, stuff. Is, yeah. I said this is too violent for me to watch, and I don't think you should be watching. He said, "Well, Grammy, it's not—it's not violent unless there's blood." Oh yeah, yeah. No, so, they, I mean, that, it, yes, it's, it's, it's mind control. It really is. Yeah, and they, and they try to uh, that first of all that violence. Like I can't, I'm not a, a shrinking violet or you know, squeamish, but when I see the violence, like on HBO, I stopped, I stopped getting HBO because I can't. 
everyone, you'd be watching like a normal show and they would show some gruesome scene that was just horrible and get inside your head. I mean, it's bad for your soul. Westworld's like that. Boardwalk Empire was like that. Sons of Anarchy wasn't even that bad like that. And it was still pretty bad. Whereas uh, it used to just be sex, but now it's violence too. And I agree. It's, it's just, uh, it's terrible for their minds but i had that addictive experience one time and i didn't realize like it was uh males were more prone to it than females but i got a video game before i even had kids but not that long before uh and i got a video game called munch's odyssey it was like a sci-fi kind of game but it was silly it was cute i played that thing from beginning to end. it wasn't like atari i don't know about mario brothers but when i used to play breakout on atari it wasn't that hard that, that bad to break yourself away but this i played the whole thing from beginning to end and i just sat in a dark room for probably three days straight i don't it's actually kind of a good weight loss thing because you don't eat at all but it's like bad for hygiene because you don't shower either and i finally finished this game and it was i mean i just simply couldn't drag myself away so my son recently said to me mom there's a Munch's Odyssey 2 for Xbox, and I'm saving it for you. And I was like, I will never have 72 hours of absolutely nothing to do again. I'm not doing it. I never played another game after that. It was clearly evil, but kids don't remember the before time. They can't, they, they don't know that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And I think it's not like AR, augmented reality, virtual reality is something that I don't think we will accept, but that our kids will be grown up on. I mean, Binkley, do you think that you, I mean, are you going to get hooked on AR? You said you've, you've experimented with it, right? I would like to not get hooked on AR, but I think that it's going to be forced on us. I think the news experience is going to be a virtual augmented reality experience because that's how you make people feel the emotions of a story as opposed to them reading it. They were talking on CNN the other day. There's a big theme of, People don't need to read the, the Mueller report. Mueller needs to come testify because people don't read. That's why you and I can find all these confessions of a conspiracist because they write down what they're doing. They write down what they're doing. Yeah. And you can, and if you can still read, you can. Uh, all they have to do is put it in cursive and absolutely nobody will be able to read it <laughs> after a certain point. But that, yeah, that's true that they're... Um, didn't you find an actual like I think it was an audio you played for us on our podcast of a of a news person saying that was the future of news? There was a, a quartz thing that we did a while ago where the entire thing was about how virtual reality was the future of news. Yes, like 360 virtual reality. They even have that on CNN right now. You can go to quartz quartz.com quartz.com. I can link the video. Yeah, no, that's where this this re- revelation on the Google's true origin. Yeah. Was I mean, which is kind of crazy because you'll see there was another article. I forget the guy. He's very like a millennial oriented, almost truther. Uh, I forget his name. He, you would know his name in a second. Uh, very popular, but he wrote the first article about Sergey Brin and his digital data grants and all that stuff. But this article tells the truth about. Well, it's it tells almost the whole truth. About how deep it goes, but that's on courts. I'm like, courts is like a very, uh, it's a very high level limited hangout. It's yeah. for people like us. If we were just one degree less conspiranoid, 
people like us to say, see, this is the truth. The truth is out there. Yeah. But the truth is one step further into the rabbit hole than this. And they can prevent us from finding it if they present news. Like CNN has virtual reality and 360 video. You can go experience the situation. You can go step into Syria the way they present yes. the news. Yes. And that's super scary because because the facts are often different from what they are telling you to support policies. So there can be – I think the news is 90 percent true, but it's the spin, the details that get to the policy. And if they show you – even if they say this is virtual reality, this isn't really Syria, but we've been there before. And uh, just to give you an idea of what it might feel like in the bunker that launched the chemical weapons, why don't you come with us to this other bunker that has nothing to do with that? You know, they'll do stuff like that. And if they did it in a virtual reality way, you would not be able I believe. I bet if you did studies, you could not distinguish it in your mind. Absolutely. They've done studies where people were unable to distinguish it. Yeah, I, I believe that. And and here's the thing. I'm pretty convinced, pretty convinced, like there's no doubt in my mind that the, I know it's true, that their tech is so in advance of what they let the public know about that what they're telling us about, oh, it's almost seamless. It's like, oh, you mean I'm a robot? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. obviously beyond anything that I've even conceived of so far. But uh, let's... Let's get some more calls after the break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. What do you think are the biggest dangers of big tech? This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On News 95.5 at AM 750. WSB. Uh, we, we have a lot to cover in that. This, what you're hearing today about, or you will be hearing a lot about big tech regulation and YouTube censorship, I think is much bigger than what they're saying to you. They want to impose regulations, in my opinion, because regulations, to adhere to regulations costs a lot of money. And as the censorship comes down from YouTube, Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter, people are being driven to alternatives like Gab AI, for example. And maybe it doesn't uh, it doesn't have the the network effect that the more established stuff has. And that established stuff was established by the intelligence community. So uh, they were given an unfair advantage. I do not classify them as private companies. I am not an advocate of public private partnerships of any kind, particularly not when it comes to mass surveillance and deceptive government practices against citizens in violation of numerous of their rights. But as we look at the uh, the censorship coming down and people want to go to alternatives, even if it's not as good or um, it has a pain, it's a pain to switch over, they will be driven to doing it as the censorship gets increasingly tight. So when you have when you have that scenario, you uh, startups will emerge to take away and time has passed. They can probably have the tech and, and you can piggyback off the other tech startups will emerge that will provide outlets for, you know, Minutemen or whatever, like libertarian groups or, um, 
uh, anti-war groups or what, whatever what's perceived to be an anti-government or as the Anti-Defamation League president said about Tim Cook, like he's suppressing dangerous anti-government people, then uh, if you have regulatory barriers of entry, it'll be too expensive for startups to pop up everywhere. It'll really limit competition, which is what they the opposite of what they say they're doing, but I believe that would be the impact of what they are doing. And I want to tell you specifically what they're censoring after the break. Uh, you can call me, 800-WSB-TALK, 404-872-0750, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6, and part of those threats are from this digital revolution and i'm not saying it's a little nuanced because when they're taking your bill of rights away you know it we're letting it happen people we're letting it happen in the name of on the right terrorism immigration drugs and on the left guns and who knows what else Uh, identity probably in some general sense So we are all, for our own reasons, allowing this to happen. And I'm just picking up on a theme that Eric introduced, the caller earlier in the show, that we are responsible for allowing these things to happen to us. But it is often uh, a deliberate, we've been deliberately lulled into a state of security or we are unaware of the dangers that we face And I want to explore those themes a little bit. I also am open to calls about just what your experience has been. How have smartphones impacted your family? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And, of course, the convenience of it all is just spectacular. I mean, it seems like it's 90% good in that way. But even when I think about uh, increased productivity and the benefits of that, I I feel like once you've gotten enough to eat and, you know, are not in a state of discomfort, maybe increasing productivity or being in constantly connected to the outside world is is destroying something of real value, like being home. Building roads makes it easier to travel, makes it you get more pay for work. So you work more. I mean, you would work more on the margin. It would be like an economic truth. But what is that? What is the cost of that? Is it then women, uh, American women who are better educated then are on the road more and immigrant women who are less educated raise their kids for them? Like, is that, is that, yes, that is productivity, but is it really what you would do, what you would choose outside of artificially stimulated, uh, efficiencies. So, all right, when I start spinning into the economic stuff, which I, of course, think is super fun, sometimes I lose the conversation. So let's get back to the conversation. My producer, Binkley, is here. He got a couple of tweets. I'm uh, hungry for some tweets. I do. I have one from Franny, who says uh, that her students are elementary school-aged, and they often complain that their moms and dads are too connected to their devices. They can't get their attention at times, And then she says, sadly, they'll be joining them soon enough. I absolutely believe that. I mean, you. oh, but I will give people advice. I had all these rules and everything. I didn't give my kids phones till eighth grade, basically. And uh, I had all sorts of rules. 
and I, because it was just, it was only, I think, like a year ago, uh, maybe a year and a half, it was before Apple had introduced screen time. But I'll tell you, be very, very careful and deliberate about how you unfold this stuff and really get in there. Make sure that your iCloud accounts, your devices are connected. And it's it's very simple to use, but like I don't I, – I, I didn't have my infrastructure set up right to just throw the switch. So make sure you know what your rules are. I read that social media time for girls exceeding – interactive screens so social media and games i think is basically interactive screens that more than an hour a day uh, results in negative net psychological impact anxiety low self-esteem now with the games i feel like uh in my experience i do i think that the the games when they're interactive with friends and highly controlled as far as content can be a way for like awkward teens to connect. I don't know. It could just be my bias because like that's how it's shaking out in my house. Sorry if anyone's listening who's an awkward teen. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, what else you got, Binkley? I know somebody who met friends through online gaming that, that were in other states, and then when they visited that state, they met them in person. They became and, buddies, and they kidnapped them. No, they actually, this was a good good end for this story. Oh, good. You know, I do tell my kids, like, you got to watch it, and it absolutely pops up. We... We don't let them play games with people who that we have not actually met personally, so it's always, you know, people we know. But then... But... But... The stuff where it's, like, strangers, they... a, A lot of times it's fine, but... Absolutely, it has happened where these people are what they call catfish. They're not what they appear to be. Oh, yeah. And so dangerous. And I remember once, like, I told my kid, I was like, did that person ask you to meet them somewhere? It definitely The answer was yes. I was like, no. (laughs) Uh, So you have to have – and I would check their phones. I mean – you have to figure out what kind of privacy. I do not do that now. Like, there's no way to get that genie back in the bottle. But it's a very expensive and luxurious privilege to have that high-tech stuff. Make them earn it. Make them do the dishes for every hour of of uh, screen time. Because it not only has a negative impact on them, it crowds out things that are good. Like reading, playing music, doing chores, walking the dog. Like, I mean, think hard about it and it's actually pretty hard to find um good resources that help you through that that process i common sense.com is it seems very genuine to me but anyway the phone offers or maybe.org all yeah. the things in the world you could want instant gratification and that's hard to fight against because if you, as soon as you have that urge to want something and the phone's right there it's not and and the problem is that it's not real. So yeah. what it's happening is it's creating like the games with the boys, it's creating these needs, these like adrenaline rushes and stuff that are are not physically dissipated. So then they run around like bouncing off the walls when they're finished or start <laughs> like getting like really like, you know, muscle spasms like a little baby. You see how babies just kind of like tweak out? Like they, yeah. they'll get like that. And then also with the social media, it's that FOMO, fear of missing out thing. They they respond to their envy, I guess it is, I don't know, uh, by by 
creating their own images that create envy. So like nobody's really living the life. Right. They look like they're living the life that they're envying, but they're not really living it. And neither is the other person. Yeah. And uh, and it's and they're addicted to it because you do get that. Dope. I was getting it with Twitter. I had to kind of migrate off of Twitter a little bit. Uh, and now I'll just yeah. do it when I'm sitting down to do it. Like I try to just do it on my laptop. So as a discipline away from, you know, do just doing it constantly on the phone. It's challenging. It's not easy. No, but once you do it, like your eyes are open. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, I get it now. Um, uh, I'm going to get to a couple of calls and then I want to do more tweets. I am going to go to Deborah in coming. Hi, Deborah. You are on hey. Monica. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing good. I was mentioning to your screener that I'm a family law attorney, and I've been a lawyer for 34 years. So I've been a lawyer when kids didn't have phones, and, of course, now kids do have them. And I'm telling you that I have about three or four cases right now because in Georgia, after age 13, children can make a choice which parent they want to live with. And if a parent is monitoring the phone and disciplining on the phone and giving limited time and the other parent is not, that child will put aside parental love, concern, and they've got to have that phone. And some of it is things they're doing on those phones which are not good for them at all, sexting and all kinds of things. And it is a real problem, and I think the courts, you know – are not really equipped to understand how much these phones and this media means to these kids. And and, and they're um, probably making the exact opposite choice of the one they should be making because, like, my daughter will say, like, I – you don't, you don't love me. That's why you're restricting. It's like, hey, man, you think I want to have this discussion right now? Like, this is very painful to, to have to take this away from you. I'm doing it because I love you. You know. And if, as oh, uh, Deborah, I'm losing you. Get back in your cell. I need to hear you. Uh, Deborah, 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 call back if you get a better sell. I'm going to go to, uh, George in Woodstock. Hi, George. You're on with Monica. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I was listening to the commentary a little bit earlier about how Google started off as really a government directive and they funded them. And I think we know that even if the government funded them, it's not necessarily a case for the government to allow to kind of restrict their freedom because I hate the censorship too. But the other thing is that if the government funded them to try and improve their spying and their information gathering, even if that were the case originally, right now it's not really relevant to the censorship because if that's what they still wanted to do, the censorship wouldn't line up with that. If anything, they'd want to let that hate speech fly so that they could track it. Well, here's the thing. They said they started out with it all those years ago to identify terrorists who flock together. And yet, 25 years later, they're telling us that actually all of their efforts resulted in the exact opposite, which is people are radicalized online. And yes, you could say that those are unintended consequences, actually opposite consequences, massive government inefficiency and that kind of thing. But the but if you look at other stuff that they write, there's a really comprehensive i have it in the form of a slideshow so it's like 150 pages but it's a darpa document that talks about memetics memes and how they use these ideas on the internet they say it's in foreign countries only so i don't know if i believe that but where they use that stuff in order to 
enhance dysfunctional subcultures in target countries. And I would posit the very short leap that we are a target country, that, we, that they they might be right. enhancing dysfunctional subcultures on purpose. Like, I, I understand what you're saying. If they gave them a little seed money, government research, that happens a lot. They generate these patents and they give it to uh, award it to a private entity that can make the most of it. But I mm. I'm suspicious that that's not what's happening and that they have had a hand in glove relationship with these guys the whole time. And that this is part of a, a somewhat more sinister plan. Yeah, population control, you know, I think it's a great case for my part for gathering more information, but not censoring or not regulating that. You yeah. Know, proprietor censorship yes and i would say i would say that what they're saying the answer is is to regulate it on an antitrust basis and put in a lot of like centralizing overlaying um controls and all that but i look at like the marijuana market pot's getting legal all over the place and if they and they're regulating it a lot if they didn't regulate it you would have i mean pot is a weed it would just right. sprout up like weeds, totally organically, where it's wanted to be weeded out where it was not wanted. And instead, what you're going to have is a high. What you actually do have is highly synthetic, highly processed, highly chemical regulated stuff that did not grow out of the ground. That's worse for you, and that keeps the natural stuff from being out there. So. Instead of having huge regulatory barriers to entry where they say, well, you have to I, – I anticipate they're going to say, you have to answer to us. You have to perform – you have to give these reports. You have to check these boxes. You have to suppress this kind of speech. You have to make sure there's a backdoor for intelligence to get into your company. All those regulatory frameworks are going to keep startups from getting in there. So I, at the very least, I would say don't regulate them. Do not regulate them. Is that what you're you're saying the same, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the pot regulation has more to do with the fact that that's kind of a step to decriminalization. If we were starting from scratch, I don't think we would regulate it nearly as much as we are right now. That's kind of a compromise to appease the ones who don't want it decriminalized at all. Yeah, I think that that's right. And also what you get and when you get those kind of situations is they uh, you get people then who are invested in in the new industry and then they're going to have lobbying power and there probably won't be any going back from that. But yeah, that's certainly what justifies it. So I'm with you with that. So may I, I hope I didn't sound like I was in favor of the regulation. I'm not, I'm not in favor of the censorship either. Let's continue with the conversation, but I got to take a quick break. 800 WSB talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez show. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Just before the break, I think it was George. Is that right, Bankley? Was that George the caller? Is that what you George talking? from Woodstock. Nice. He, that was an excellent call. Thank you, George. Please call in whatever you want. Uh, because I, I, what you had said was kind of the reflected where I had come out before I was buried in all these articles. Like you pull on this string and the whole thing unravels, but the, but, but the conclusion remains the same, which is this is a unique situation. It is this public private thing or something that we haven't really, when you talk about needing a new legal architecture, you don't need that for what we have for the constitution, the bill of rights and stuff. This public private thing 
uh, when it comes together, I mean, that's when you start talking about socialism and fascism. And those that is we do not have the legal architecture for that. So this stuff should and it, and it's wrong. In my opinion, it's, it's a violation of our fundamental, our foundational documents, our system. Uh, and and I think what you led with, George, is that we need to. You said you need more information. We need to expose it. I'm now putting words in your mouth, but what I thought was like this needs to be vetted, investigated, no national security exception to understanding it. I don't believe their nonsense that this massive thing was to ferret out a few terrorists. I do not believe that. I think it's what it says. It's develop AI and to have total information awareness of all people at all times, which they later changed to terrorist information awareness. I mean, later they changed their program to be, you know, whatever. So uh, I agree. we got to blow the lid off of this. And uh, we are going to, I'm going to blow the lid off of Google's new blacklist after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Please take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please. Open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. And a a big threat to our liberty is that we, it reminds me of the Brzezinski book, The Crisis of Democracy, where he says the answer to the question, how do we control the people, is that we make them all kind of slaves of or beholden to or dependent on non-governmental organizations, and he didn't mean that in the sense that we commonly hear it right now, not only anyway, but corporations, unions, etc., as ways to keep people in line in institutions that come before the government, that are closer to them, that they have no democratic say in, that they're not governmental, they're not public, so you're there supposedly voluntarily. And I feel like a kind of parallel... Uh, method has been used to change the public square to a private platform, and there is no public alternative. I'm not suggesting a public alternative, but imagine if the if there was a Twitter, a Facebook, and a Google that was run by the government. You know, I, I'm a libertarian. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I don't want anything run by the government. But let's just say we have plenty of stuff that is run by the government. We have schools. You know, and they and they have certain limitations on what they can do, how they can censor and stuff, because they're considered beholden, bound by our laws. And these private companies have a greater ability to restrict our rights because they are private companies. Could you imagine if the competitor, instead of putting all these regulatory barriers in place that, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting it, but if that were the public forum we would be having a more robust debate about what could and could not be suppressed. But we have no debate. It's just happening. Of course, 5G is just happening without debate, and that is a government thing. So we're about to see when the rubber hits the road, as Frank Zappa said, when they pull the curtain back, you are going to see a brick wall. But I find that these legal 
obstacles can be a way to kick that can down the road, kick that, kick that can, keep liberty alive. So let's, uh, Binkley, my producer here, let's keep the conversation going. Uh, let's have another tweet. We have a tweet from Dean who says that people have grown accustomed to being told how to feel about a subject and things that require critical thinking or could cause cognitive dissonance are avoided. That's absolutely true. We uh, And that reminds me of something I was thinking earlier, maybe said in one of our podcasts, that that – so one of the big things that's being talked about right now, at the same time YouTube's coming down with a lot of censorship, there are calls across the board. It was absolutely plastered across the WallStreetJournal.com this morning, calls for big tech to be regulated. And my argument is and always has been from including like drugstores and everything else, when uh, um, TV censorship, everything. When we are regulated, we go, what a caller once explained to me was condition white, unaware, on alert. You might as well be asleep. You don't even know there's a danger. You are condition white because you think somebody's taking care of it. Somebody's minding the store. And that's. That's a serious problem. That's something if if they if they tell us that they are solving this big tech problem, we won't think about it anymore. And I think maybe we need to. We need to to have alternatives to the public square and also to protect our kids from their intentional addictive products. And their products are addictive for one reason is that they were established by the military intelligence or funded by it, seeded by it, in order to create a large, trackable, manipulable, analyzable database. And that data, in order to get it built, the government promoted the private ownership of that value. They said of the intellectual property, but the data is the real value. So they're going to, they want, they need the data. They need you to be hooked on it. And as the very first caller, Eric said, like, we are the product. I'm not sure he meant this, but we are actually the product. So the reason that they run at a loss, Uber runs at a loss. Amazon, I think, probably still runs at a loss. No, I don't think it does anymore, but it did for a long time. Um, Snapchat might as well run at a loss. I, I don't know if it does or not. They can give you stuff free. Because they just want the data. The data is the thing with the value, and you're providing that. So they're just they're just getting you. You're just a hamster in a cage for them, and a wheel running their real value. And the data is used to manipulate us. The data is turned around and used against us. And this is what the one of the people in on the ground floor of it on the government side called this public-private partnership to establish this mass surveillance state. And and there's like you can go deeper on it in that like what we were talking about, Binkley and I, we were talking about how does war fold into this? I could say you could go either way. So what's your thought, Binkley, on war, on the, how war folds into this? I think the way that this censorship is escalating, that it's pointing to some sort of conflict getting closer and closer. Yeah, and it seems like. You know, there's a lot of bluster, like with North Korea. I don't think we're headed to a war with North Korea, but we might be headed to a war with Iran. I mean, we had that smoking gun audio of the guy from the Washington Institute for Near East Policy, which I think is populated by like Kissingers and Bushes saying we're in the business to provoke a confrontation, conflict, war with Iran. And that does seem to be what we are doing. 
Yeah, and the CFR has written multiple articles talking about the the need to amp up our defense towards the really Russian interference, but they link it to Iran. And oh yeah, Russia and Iran are going to be one thing before the end of right. this. Right? There, yeah, <laughs> there was an article yesterday war. about that, about how we need to take action, need to be on the offensive, and we need to make sure everybody knows that it's a defensive <laughs> action. Oh yeah, well in England they're already saying Iran because Iran, Iran is attacking the royals on Facebook, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like the this general, I don't know where I put it, but I posted that this general was saying we we need to defend our troops on the Iran, you know, over in Iran's sphere of influence by sending more troops in case they have a conflict with the troops. I'm like, well, if you just bring the troops back, then you don't have any danger of conflict. That's just absolutely childish. That's what the CFR said in an article they put up yesterday, that we need to send more troops because Russia... Because the troops there are in such danger it might spark World War III. Well, they justified it by saying that Russia already invaded our country through the 2016 election. They're going to do it again in 2020. See, we need that's to send the troops. problem. When you have 9-11 or you have the Russian thing used to tell us that we need to escalate in what could end up in a world war, we need to have trials before we do this stuff. Like somebody in Russia needs to be on an open trial. It needs to be proven. Maria Butina was tortured or whatever. She was held in solitary confinement until she she agreed to plea on something. So she's the only person who's been convicted of Russian anything. Yeah, there was an interesting quote. Um, you're right. They and But they're sending us over or making us think that they invaded our country. Mike Pompeo said the other day that we should privately convey Moscow's to Moscow, Washington's readiness to release financial information on Russian government leaders involved in hacking and other embarrassing information about Putin and his cronies. Talk about re- releasing embarrassing information. Yeah, well, that's their M.O., right? <laughs> so, OK, so um, another thing that you were saying earlier was that the when people are staring at their phones, they're like – zombies or you know they really can't function normally i mean don't you agree it's like a drug thing it's totally like a drug you can't this you can't listen and process information in the outside world if you're just zoned in to this device all the time and yes and the other thing i was thinking is that it is i believe it is it's habituating, like you love that dopamine thing. I'm yeah. not going to call it physically addicting because I don't know if you actually get physically yeah. ill because you because it does change the chemicals in your brain. Sometimes some chemical changes can create like permanent body changes that you have to like kick the habit. I don't know if this does that, but I do know that it has the same, or I I believe that it has the same effect as real drugs have on neutralizing or disempowering people, so that. It, you know, like Eric was saying, we are complicit because we're going along with it. And, yeah, that's a little hard to beat when they're, like, pulling an Edward Bernays on you and drawing you into a trap that you are unaware you're being drawn into. Yeah. But but you're, but you are always a big uh, believer in, you know, the power of the individual to act outside the box. And I feel like this is disempowering. It's very disempowering. And you were speaking about the data a moment ago. They have all the data so they can anticipate psychological behaviors and they can make it, it, can make it really difficult to break away because they, they know you. 
They know your data. They know your patterns. They know what is going to keep you there. Oh, that's what the whole Google thing started as. That's what the whole point was that 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 it's really crazy. Like it was hard for me to get my mind around this article. It's like nine, ten pages. I mean, I, I get my mind around it, but like if I read it two or three more times, I could investigate probably ten different areas. But one of the things that I was talking about was how your searches define you. Like like I was I said once not long ago that like I have twenty thousand tweets. Imagine the psychological profile you could, yeah. and I'm sure they are, creating over each and every one of us. It's like a 4D thing, yeah. and Facebook has its own – you know, the, Twitter is inside your mind. Facebook is outside – is your face. Twitter yeah. is your thoughts, <laughs> and Facebook is your face, really. And But Google is – your searches seem to be, if I'm understanding correctly, seem to be even – even more complexly revelatory and what it what it what they used it for was to group people they called it the birds of a feather project and they used that so when they are looking at the searches i guess because a search no no search is going to be exactly the same but they are trying to understand what you are wanting from your online behavior changes the search. So the two of us from our separate computers could type in the same words. People have said that to me. Like, that wasn't the first thing that came up. Yeah. Like, well, maybe you typed in different words. He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> like, okay. But it, they they learn about you to to custom make the search results. But that's nice, and that's why you use it. But it's the learning about you that it was really all about. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of interesting. And the fact that it helps them categorize you into the herd where you belong, I think is, uh, I'm going to have to digest that for a minute. So let's take a break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. One thing I was talking about earlier, I don't want to let pass. Uh, I was talking about... This idea of mimetics. So when the kids watch these YouTube videos and they have really dark themes pop up, there's a lot of suicide stuff. This is a real thing. Like there's articles written about that particularly. But there's also like anti-suicide um, billboards. And I I remember when I was a kid, Mario Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo's father and the governor of New York and like and then his two sons, one's the governor, one's the newsman. I just think that's so funny that, you know, I think isn't Chris Cuomo Binkley, isn't he on CNN? Yeah, every night. Yeah. So and you sent me a clip of Jeff Zucker saying CNN is the only real news. Yeah, that Fox and MSNBC are just opposing uh, propagandas and CNN is the only one after the truth. Right, which is funny because to me, like when I saw that, I was like, "They people fall for this." It's like when Berlusconi was the biggest media mogul. It's like Roger Ailes here, and he or Rupert Murdoch, and he won the presidency of Italy. It's like, well, don't you think <laughs> that he <laughs> was not fair and balanced? a little manipulation going yeah, on? Yeah, a man. little bit. So, but he used to get up and talk about crack. Crack is just. Sweet, this is terrible, this crack stuff. If you haven't had crack, you don't know. Crack is really addicting. Crack, 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 crack. And you're just like, what is crack? You know, like, what the heck? I never would have heard of it in my little uh, high school if this guy hadn't shouted it from the rooftop. Same thing with smoking. I feel like it's it's like your Edward Bernays thing. Like, they, he just had chicks 
smoking, uh, and he knew people would just imitate them. So it. So if YouTube is going to spend time suppressing stuff from censorship, don't do it with subjective political speech. Do it with stuff that absolutely nobody, nobody could argue objectively harmful things. Let's. Uh, but I'm going to talk about how subjective Google censorship is after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought up to believe is all made of bull. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the libertarian voice waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6. And today is no exception. I think the Google censorship is a threat to our liberty. And it's not a conundrum for me as a libertarian because it's a quasi-governmental entity. It's what was called by one of the uh, workers at the government source of the seed funding for Sergey Brin. Sergey Brin, who invented a lot of this tech, if you read his Wikipedia entry, you don't you don't get anything really much out of it uh, of a backstory nature, except for that he was from Moscow, but that. It doesn't talk about how he and Mark Zuckerberg, not at the same time, but went to the same Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth where they identify super geniuses not to cultivate them, but to study them. That's how super genius they are. And he was one of those people. So he was identified very young, in my opinion. It looks to me like he graduated college in two and a half years and then went to Stanford to do this project. So they act like, oh, these guys were doing this. So we like gave him some money. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I think you guys found this kid, knew he had the aptitude, and there you were off to the races. I think there's a much deeper backstory here. But uh, what what I wanted to get to is this a, a lot. I mean, there's just so much. I, I'll never get to all of it. But there's this one thing. I, I'm reading this article from The Daily Caller saying, uh, documents detailing Google's new blacklist show manual manipulation of special search results. Manual manipulation, which means people are doing it. It's not automated. It's not algorithmic. This looks like it was from a, uh, an April 2019 article. Uh, it says... Two official policies dubbed the misrepresentation policy and the good neighbor policy inform the company's XPA. So I guess X means delete PA protocol address. I don't know. I'm guessing news blacklist. It's a blacklist maintained by Google's trust and safety team. Uh, it's blah, blah, blah. It's going to be used by many search features to filter problematic sites that violate the good neighbor and misrepresentation policies. The document reads that it was approved by this guy, that guy, and the other guy, one of whom is Ben Gomez, or Gomes, not sure how he pronounces it, is Google's head of search, who reports directly to the CEO. Uh, Nyack is a Google fellow, and Har, so these are the three people who approved this policy, is a software engineer whose bio on Google's internal network MoMA indicates that he is also involved in fringe ranking which is not showing fake news, hate speech, conspiracy theories, or science-slash-medical-slash-history denial unless we're sure that's what the user wants. I'm going to get back to that and give you a little more on that. The purpose of the blacklist will be to bar the sites from surfacing in any search feature or news product, but it will not cause a demotion in the organic search results or de-index them altogether. I call absolute, total, and complete BS on that. 
this was from August 2018. Uh, that. It's not crystal clear when these when these quotes are from, but this article seems to be talking about stuff that's happened since Parkland. When I claim accurately predicted that the internet just shut down right there, I didn't. I observed it immediately. I did not predict it. So, but I'll tell you, when recently we talked about this on the air, I was trying to find a quote I remembered verbatim of Susan Rice telling Morsi that the coup was about to begin. The quote was. Mother America says to stop playing in one hour. <laughs> yeah. And and we talked about that kind of recently. I think we were talking about Iran or interference in other countries that we would never do. And I remember, so WordPress took me down for a trumped up reason, totally tricked me into it. And so for me to search my old stuff is a little complicated. So I sometimes just search it in Google, and actually my own sites come up sometimes, but otherwise I can just find the original source documents. So I wanted this quote, which was totally accessible at the time, and I, it would not come up on Google. I mean, I was searching page after page after page. It would not come up. So I switched to DuckDuckGo, and it expected you know, what I had originally, so it came up first. So this guy is telling me it does not... It's not going to de-index or organic. And this was not a conspiracy theory. This was a quote, you know, that of somebody who was in the room with Morrissey when the text came in from Susan Rice. Man, you can text anything. I'm taking over your country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what kind of a text is that? Like, what? I didn't. Did you say you're <laughs> like, run? <laughs> so anyway, this guy. So I want to get back to what fringe ranking is. So it's BS. It's not not taking it out of organic stuff. It's taking it out of. And it's it, anyway. Blah, blah. So this fringe ranking, it's identifying fake news. Okay, so what my claim is that every single solitary thing that they're saying is subjective. That it's yeah. it's not just we shouldn't show 12-year-olds suicide pop-ups, which is, I would say, there's nobody who would disagree with that. Nobody says, well, no, we really need to do that. We do not need to do that. And that's objectively wrong. This fringe ranking, but every single thing they're talking about here, in my opinion, is subjective, not showing fake news. So does that mean CNN, Fox? What does it mean? Stuff that I look at, James Corbett, who's absolutely <laughs> the most, my most trusted source of news. Uh, well, I mean, it's not news. It's analysis and, and history and all that. It's not like, you know, he doesn't run a newspaper. But I'm just saying, is that fake news? Hate speech. Hate speech. So what is hate speech? That's a good what, question. Yeah. I mean, you can say saying like really offensive slurs are if meant in a hateful way, which is what YouTube says it has to be like. It can't just be a lyric to a song. It has to be meant to be hurtful. Yeah. And how does AI tell the difference? Jigsaw. <laughs> Good question. That's what Jigsaw is for. These are the unintended bias. This is another article. Unintended bias and names of frequently targeted groups. Uh, the challenge of identifying subtle forms of toxicity online. That's another article. I had so many articles to read. Uh, in trying to, um, the other one was called false positives. False positives, and it talks about how more stuff gets removed than should be. But yeah, so you can finish. Then I Did he say it. subtle forms of toxicity? Yes. What That's is why that? I think they're training AI. Sarcasm. Yeah, they're training that to, to see what sarcasm is. Wow. Yeah, so that, that you can interact with real bots 
total, actual, not real things on the internet so they can populate the internet with a billion programmed entities that you think are your network. How many people have I met who I tweet with? Actually, a few because I do live shows, but most people don't. So you wouldn't know if it was really a bot. And Twitter sent me a thing. You're interacting with bots, which I'm sure is true. And I'm guessing they're going to take me down for that eventually. But <laughs> they wouldn't tell me who they were. So. Okay, so hate speech. The hate speech thing, apply that to the abortion debate. So this guy, Culverhouse, was a big donor at the law school. Law school is named after him in Alabama. I read an article that said... They were, he wanted to tell them how to use the money or how to run the school or he would take the money away. And they had voted to just give his money back. They don't want, they didn't want to deal with them. So the next day he comes out and says, uh, I, students should stop going to law school at this school because of Alabama's position on abortion, the abortion law. Then when they took his name off the law school, which they had decided to do the day before, he came out and said, they are reacting to me speaking out against their unconstitutional law, their hatefulness towards women or their, like, oppression of women. They're denying women their rights, which is one of YouTube's censorship criteria, is to say women are inferior and therefore should not have the same rights as men. So he's he's showing that you could say, is he the purveyor or the victim of hate speech? So depending on which side of that real legitimate legal issue— it is a legal issue, and you could come on each side of that. So the next thing he says is conspiracy theories as a fringe ranking. So if anyone talks about Russian collusion, do they get? You think they get censored? Think people talk about Russian collusion are getting pulled I, I think off YouTube? So. And when you label everything you don't like as being Russian propaganda, like anti-vaxxers, a quote-unquote anti-vaxxers. Yes, we've talked about that. But I'm saying Russian collusion is a conspiracy. Oh, yeah, theory. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, anyone who talks about Russian collusion, like Trump engaged in Russian, Russian collusion, it's not only a conspiracy theory. At this point, it's libel or slander because or defamation because he did not. That's crazy because that was a conspiracy theory and they didn't find yes. anything. And yet they the, just ignored it. The official that. narrative of 9-11 is a conspiracy theory. Yeah. I mean, it just is. It was, And it was never proven in a court of law, so it is. And what about television shows if you can't determine the AI? Like, is every show, uh, X Files episode going to be extracted? Well, that's what Jigsaw is for. And, and LifeLog, too, which was the predecessor to Facebook, is there to quote the idea is to, this is from The Time, this is an old article. The idea is to index the material and make patterns easily retrievable in an effort to make machines think more like people, learning from experience. Oh, and that's what I think Jigsaw is for, too. Okay, he also says science, medical, history, denial. So, by the way, evolution is just a theory. Yeah. So is science denial questioning evolution, which is a theory? Uh, the word denial also, the definition of this word, is it's the definition going to be the same as it is in the media, which is if you question something, you are a denier? Oh, right, like the vaccine thing. Vaccines are protected from certain lawsuits. So, again, we cannot use our legal processes to vet these real issues that concern people. So then it just comes out to be this 
democratization of right and wrong of facts like Quora. Like there, there is no, there's no getting to the bottom of anything. And vaccines are legally protected from some of those lawsuits that would bring the truth out. So when people question it, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for these examples I'm giving you. I, my position, you don't know what my position is on any of those. My position is always that you should ask questions, and if your answer is they they couldn't get away with lying, that's not yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. That's not an answer. Well, why don't you believe in the moon landing? Well, they couldn't get away with lying. It's like, well, maybe they could. They got away with <laughs> yeah. the Manhattan Project. A hundred thousand people kept their mouth shut about the A bomb. Some people still don't believe in the A bomb. Some people don't believe in nuclear weapons. Like that's how mystifying the whole subject is. I saw a guy drink. A, va- a, a vial full of AIDS once. What? <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a doctor on TV. It's like AIDS is not a virus. It's a syndrome that results from like too many antibiotics or stress on the system. And I'm drinking this blood. Or Was it like or... a beaker? I think it was. Yeah, you could probably YouTube it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm just saying like you don't. Right. So then you're like, how do I know? Yeah. How yeah. do I know? It's like my brother died of AIDS. But. I think now that he died of AZT poisoning, because when they stopped giving AZT to people, people stopped dying. So I don't know, but I don't know. Is that bad? Is that denial? I don't know. But it's just saying it's all subjective, and this is what they – so if I'm trying to find the answers to that, he's saying, well, if you're actually trying to find the answer, we'll try to give you those crazy links – but but I've tried to find the answer to that stuff, and I don't get the crazy links. I'm not getting the crazy links that I'm looking for anymore. And I used to be, I used to pride myself in Truth Dar because I could get a thousand crazy links because they intentionally give you disinformation that was written as a recommendation by Cass Sunstein in his paper on cognitive dissonance. And I used to like my stock and trade was to to separate the wheat from the chaff, to find the true fact and then pull on that thread and verify it, very, like to not waste my time reading a thousand articles. Like, that's the one. Let me dig in. Like this thing on Google, this thing on LifeLog. Like these are, the truth is out there, to quote the uh, X-Files. And we're going to we're gonna wrap it up after this break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Maybe something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are wrapping it up. What a, I mean, I still have like five more articles that reveal item after item about the, the net of surveillance, censorship, total information that is descending upon us while all eyes look at Nancy Pelosi calling Trump names. I just will not understand how the 24-7 news cycle doesn't dedicate at least half its time to this stuff. But if you want to hear what we have to say about it, Binkley and I do a podcast you can get at thepropreport.com on Thursdays. And this show you can get commercial-free on thepropreport.com on Wednesdays. So we try to keep you in the loop on all this stuff. And uh, there is just so much more to it. So keep your googly eyes on AI and tune back into WSB. We will be back next Saturday from 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.